Welcome to Modern Aikidoist Podcast. Please help by liking, subscribing, and sharing this podcast if you're watching this on YouTube or BitChute. These are all free and help out a great deal. Word of mouth is how shows like this reach more people who are interested. Another way you can support this podcast is by way of a PayPal tip jar. You can leave a donation of any amount you like or set up a monthly donation just like Patreon or Subscribestar. Only I don't make you pay for my content. I only ask for your support. There's a link in the description. I sincerely appreciate your interest and support. When it comes to discussions about Aikido, one of the concepts which seems to come up constantly is that Aikido is designed for a particular type of violence. This is usually in response to the statement that Aikido is useless in sport fighting, with the general retort being, Aikido is not designed for sport fighting. Today's podcast is to dig into this subject more deeply and identify what types of violence Aikido is suitable for and why. I think the arguments over sport versus self-defense are somewhat valid, but they are also a cop-out to a certain degree. Unfortunately, it's a complex situation and doesn't lend itself to black and white answers. So let's start there. If you are wondering, my own feelings on it are that both sides make some valid points. The truth lies in the middle between them. I'm no fan of either bravado or excuses, and I think both sides have shown some combination of both of these. The claim goes like this. Aikido is useless in a sport fight. The response is usually, many of its techniques are illegal, and also, Aikido is too effective for a sport fight because it's designed to injure and kill. First, let's look at the initial claim. Aikido is useless in a sport fight. This claim is incorrect. Techniques and concepts taught in Aikido are used all the time in sport fights. There are even some videos where people have scoured over fight footage to show all kinds of throws and locks which are taught in Aikido. Granted, the demonstration version looks clean and clear, and the fight version tends to look messy and garbled. That doesn't matter. The technique is the same. Real violence is an ugly mess, and that is distasteful to those who admire the aesthetics of martial arts. Once you remove the intent to do harm, you can have a very pretty-looking martial art. However, practicing in this way consistently removes the ability of that martial art to function once the chaos of real violence comes into the picture. The claim would be more clearly stated as, Aikido practiced as merely a cooperative form does not provide practical skills for handling real violence. That is true. Second, the response. Many Aikido techniques are illegal in competition. This is incorrect. It varies by sport, of course, but the fact is that most Aikido techniques are not illegal. The most famous example of this argument is that small joint manipulations are illegal in MMA. The reality is that under MMA rules, small joints mean individual fingers and toes. Elbow, knee, wrist, shoulder, neck, and ankle locks are all legal. As I understand it, grabbing several fingers instead of just one is also legal. How about throws? Most throws are legal, except ones which drop an opponent straight down on top of their head. An example would be a pile driver in wrestling. I would be extremely surprised to hear of any Aikido curriculum which includes the pile driver. There are techniques from Daito Ru and older systems which include throws designed to drop somebody on top of their head. The intention of these throws was to break the neck, and virtually all of them were removed or at least rarely taught starting in the 1800s as martial arts became more focused on training civilians instead of soldiers. The claim that Aikido is too dangerous or deadly to use in a sport fight is false. Posing this argument damages the credibility of not only the person making it, but to Aikido itself. Sport fighters are extremely durable because they train hard, 
They are young, usually, strong, and capable of withstanding quite a bit of punishment. They can be thrown down without having very good ukemi skills and keep going. It's pretty clear that the real difference between most Aikido practitioners and sport fighters has little to do with technique and everything to do with how they practice. I could go deeper into this, but sport fighters deserve respect for their conditioning and focus on practical skills which work against active opponents. Aikido could take more than a few pages out of their book about how to build solid skills for dealing with the chaos of real violence. And no, that doesn't mean just do sparring. Back to the subject at hand. What sort of violence is Aikido designed for? That's a very good question, and unfortunately there is no single answer. At least, any single answer that would not be open to dispute. There's a great deal of truth to the idea that Aikido is designed for a no-rules environment, which would imply self-defense instead of sport. Notable exceptions might be the sport rule set for Shotokan or Yoshinkan competitions. There do not appear to be any reference or mention to rules or restrictions in regards to the developmental years of Aikido. And looking back to Osensei's life and how his direct students handled the art, it seems that any attack was considered worth preparing against and practicing. It's my opinion that Aikido was meant to prepare practitioners for violence they might likely encounter so they can protect themselves. What does this mean exactly? It means that it would likely be violence in a civilian setting, and that can include an ambush or involve multiple people. I think it's worth breaking these down because violence in such a setting is very different than a sport or combat setting. What are the differences exactly? Well, there are many, so I'm only going to cover a few. First one, and probably the most obvious, is the victory condition. In a civilian setting, you want to protect yourself and perhaps even others. You may need to restrain someone who's posing a threat to yourself or innocent people. If you're in law enforcement, you are far more likely to need to restrain someone who is being violent. At very least, most people find victory in emerging from a violent encounter with as little injury or harm to themselves as possible. This usually means some kind of escape. In the military, your victory condition is you must survive and eliminate the threat posed to you or your teammates by pretty much all means possible. No regard is given to your opponent and killing them is acceptable, if not encouraged. I'd say civilian violence is the most complicated and difficult to deal with and prepare for. That may sound slightly arrogant, but let me outline the difficulties that training for civilian violence includes. It really doesn't have to do with intensity, which is the first thought. Getting into a ring with an extremely fit and highly trained athlete is a massive challenge. I'm not selling this short at all. However, sport fighters know their opponent well ahead of time and can study what they are about to face. They get weeks or months to prepare for what they want to do. They will also be matched against an opponent who is in their weight class and pretty close to their skill level. No weapons will be present and the fight will be stopped to protect the fighters. A civilian will have little or no advance warning of a fight. If you're lucky, you may get a minute or two to realize things are going badly and violence is imminent. Your attacker could outweigh you by 100 pounds or more, or be armed. Your attacker might be much younger and stronger than you are, and he may have friends. The location can be anywhere, and it might be in the dark, in a stairwell, bathroom, or other confined space. An assault may not stop after you're knocked down or knocked out. You may be injured and must still continue or be at the mercy of monsters. You may also have to take into account loved ones or other innocents around you, which you must protect. This may mean that you cannot simply run away. Even alone, running away may not be a viable option. You also have no idea what kind of experience or background your attacker has. 
You may only have a few moments to size him up and will likely have no idea what his skills are. Without this, you will have little or no idea of what kind of attack you are likely in for. A soldier deals with an entirely different kind of violence. First, a soldier is on a team and almost never has to fight alone and unsupported. When in dangerous situations, the team works together to support each other. Second, hand-to-hand -hand combat among soldiers is quite rare. The modern battlefield is an entirely different world than civilian life. The training and equipment a soldier gets is tuned for a military environment. You, a civilian, will not have a heavily armed team at your disposal when a threat comes. You will not be equipped with the weaponry and tools to deal with violence to the level that soldiers are. It may be that you carry a weapon of some kind, or might even be able to get your hands on an improvised weapon, but you cannot have anywhere near the kind of advantages soldiers have when they face violence. The most notable being reconnaissance. Soldiers have an entire support team to get a handle on potential threats. Information saves lives, and knowing where threats are, how many there are, how they're armed, and their current status is a huge advantage. You, the civilian, will have no such information or support. At best, you might be able to summon police, but response times are long enough that they will not be able to help you against the threat. Sometimes this happens, but most often people must face violence on their own. As they say, when seconds count, the police are minutes away. Just like the sport fighter, I'm not selling soldiers short of the terrible ordeal of the battlefield. It is just different than being ambushed as you go to your car after seeing a movie. Soldiers, like sport fighters, are well prepared for the violence they face and often have advanced knowledge of what is about to happen. Take note that neither soldiers nor sport fighters like surprises and know that victory is being knowledgeable and prepared. Civilians can prepare too, but the difficulty comes in trying to prepare for such a wide variety of potential threats in a wide variety of environments and conditions with a total lack of information about attackers, even when it will happen. A fighter or soldier will tell you that you must be highly focused to prevail against violence and cannot be distracted. We civilians are always focused on something else. Our minds are on taking care of our business and affairs. We rarely think about being attacked, and as such, when it happens, it's probably a big surprise. Both sport fighters and soldiers tend not to do so well when they are taken by surprise, which explains why they do so much advanced research so that they are not surprised. How much can civilians do? We can do some, but are pretty limited in what we can determine in advance. We can lower our risk by where we decide to go and when. We prepare through training and try to remain watchful and aware, and these do improve our odds. We're just not dealing with the same landscapes that sport fighters and soldiers are. So what kind of violence might civilians encounter? After all, that is the question then, of what Aikido was designed to do. As we go to answer this question, we must stick as closely to reality as possible. Most people have very little direct experience with violence. To fill the void, it's very tempting to use our imaginations, which are heavily influenced by what is seen in movies and on TV. Dramatic shootouts and carefully choreographed fight scenes appear plausible. These are not real. The other temptation is to use what we see in sport fights as a source of what real violence looks like. Although it can look similar, it is also not very representative of real-world violence. The rise in popularity of both surveillance cameras and cell phone cameras, along with YouTube, there are countless sources of real-world violence for us to study. It is this type of source we should be looking very intently at. They paint an entirely different picture, and one which is far more accurate than movies, TV, or sport fighting. What we see there is that fights tend to start unexpectedly. 
Rarely do people know their encounter with violence is going to happen before it does. Anger and rage is a pretty consistent factor. The types of attacks used in assaults and ambushes are fairly limited, and they are almost always imprecise and even sloppy. This doesn't mean they are not potentially dangerous. We also see that most violence is over fairly quickly. Fights don't last hours or even 15 to 30 minutes. A great deal of violence is over in less than a minute. It's also clear that once you lose the advantage and make a mistake, it's very difficult to turn things around back in your favor. Real-world violence is also filled with what I call lower-level violence. What I mean by that are the milder physical attacks which you will never see in a sport fight or battlefield combat, but are common in civilian violence. These are shoves, grabs, and scuffles which are still considered physical assault. If you consider that a full-on brawl or fight for your life is a level 10 violence, and someone poking his finger into your chest to make his point is level 1, then what I'm talking about is level 3 to level 7 or so. This might be someone grabbing your arm or trying to keep you from walking away from an argument. Pushes and shoves are often the first physical contact as heated words escalate beyond verbal into physical violence. I've heard many argue that these lower levels of violence is what Aikido specializes in, and I believe that is a valid point. If someone is angry and starts shoving you and you unleash your level 10 violence and leave them broken and injured, then that was an inappropriate level of response. You are morally liable and quite probably legally liable for your actions. This is where I believe grappling and control techniques tend to shine. When I say grappling, I don't necessarily mean going to the ground to engage in grappling. Both Aikido and Japanese Jiu-Jitsu include a standing version of grappling, which is to seize control of an attacker's body so that he cannot harm you. These are incredibly effective and can be done without necessarily harming someone. This is where I part ways with many Aikido practitioners' belief that Aikido performs well at these lower levels of violence, but is incapable of dealing with higher intensity fighting. The Gracies prove that the concepts of Jiu-Jitsu, which are very similar to Aikido, can deal with high intensity attacks effectively, as long as it is trained properly. I'm talking older Gracie Jiu-Jitsu here, not the sport version that it has evolved into these days. There's no reason that Aikido is incapable of doing the same thing the Gracies showed decades ago. For that reason, I believe that how Aikido is trained is the crucial factor, not that Aikido techniques, tactics, or strategies are insufficient. A story to illustrate that point comes from a student of mine who was preparing to join the U.S. Marines. In anticipating what he was going to go through in boot camp, he took on coming in to learn what he could so that he could at least be somewhat prepared for it. He studied just under a year or so prior to entering boot camp. He was strong and pretty physically fit and had a good mindset for physical conflict. We worked with him on training for using movement, position, and leverage properly to deal with attacks of all kinds. We made sure to focus on the types of attacks he would encounter in the military martial arts training. This was not far out of the curriculum as I had already started orienting my Aikido teaching to better reflect reality. The result was that he had a notable advantage over his fellow recruits. In fact, the drill sergeant would often use him as the heavy when other recruits were misbehaving. He would threaten that if they didn't shape up, they'd have to face him in the pit. Since no one was able to beat him in the pit, they shaped up pretty quick. The ones who didn't and faced him thinking they could show off came out looking foolish. When I said that he had a good mind for physical conflict, I'd like to add that he also has very solid character. He's able to balance a high level of physical skill with a cool and level head. He doesn't let his anger get the best of him even when somebody is trying to provoke him. This is exactly the type of person you want to train to be extremely effective, one whom you trust to be responsible with that power.
His Aikido prevailed in an environment where most think Aikido could not. Of course, the approach we took to training him was not typical to how Aikido seems to be trained. We made sure it was functional and practical, and set him up very well to succeed. Over the years, I've collected numerous stories from my students who have found success with their Aikido in real life. For them, the benefits of it are very real, and I'm not talking about merely running away here. In the realm of physical violence, Aikido can do extremely well when it is trained properly. It won't turn you into John Wick or have you looking like Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse. Real violence isn't like that at all. Aikido has the potential to be the best martial art for civilians. It is well designed to have a variable level of control which is extremely useful and practical for normal people protecting themselves. They can do this without turning themselves into fighters. Being a fighter and being someone who can deal with violence are two different things. A fighter doesn't necessarily have the proper skills or mindset to be a bouncer, for example. I think Aikido is very well suited for those who need to keep the peace, such as law enforcement, bouncers, and any responsible adult. It is also very well suited to those who deal with real-world violence consistently. Two professions which are becoming increasingly exposed to violence are medical personnel and school teachers. Although crime statistics seem to indicate violence is on the decline, it seems that lower-level violence is becoming more common. I'm sure many of these incidents of bullying or mild scuffles never make it into the FBI's statistical table, so it's hard to pinpoint. For that type of violence, Aikido is extremely well-suited. It is there that Aikido shines, but certainly should be able to go as far as one would need it to go. What do you think? Please share your ideas in the comments if you're watching this on YouTube, or go to the Facebook group Aikido the Marshall Side and post a comment. The Spirit Aikido online program is now live. Subscribers get access to video training and mentoring to techniques and training methods I've adopted from other martial arts to make my Aikido more practical. There's a link in the description section. I invite you to check it out. I always enjoy hearing from listeners of the show, whether through comments or questions. Thank you all for sharing your interest. Enjoy your training.